Welcome to the Catholic Leaders Podcast, where we talk with inspirational leaders and explore how faith informs leadership. I'm Carrie Robinson. And I'm Kim Smolik. We're executive partners at Leadership Roundtable, a ministry of hope for the church, founded to promote best practices in leadership and management. We're so excited to have you join us today. So click the subscribe button and let's get started. When we were in the earliest stages of planning this podcast, there were some people we just could not wait to invite to our show, hoping they would say yes to the invitation. And my good friend, Father Jim Martin, immediately came to both of our minds. For years, Jim has been such an important part of opening conversations in the church about how we include people in our faith community. We have a mandate to be welcoming and more loving, and it's important to talk about how this commitment applies to leadership in the church. Jim has the uncommon blend of intellectual acuity, beautiful humor, and interior freedom that is clearly a consequence of his profound faith, and pastoral sensitivity that is rather breathtaking. I'm very grateful to be his friend, and what a terrific conversation we had with him. I loved what he had to say about the Synod in particular. Mary, me too. The issue I keep hearing as we walk this synodal journey together is how we as people of faith, um, as a church, are welcoming to those who feel left behind or pushed aside or even silenced. And being welcoming and a welcoming church and having experiences of being welcomed makes an imprint and is such a memorable experience. I think we remember those times well, and I know I do, uh, particularly when I joined Leadership Roundtable, that you went out of your way to welcome me so beautifully by sending me flowers and then also giving of your time. Uh, by traveling with me to meet the many friends and donors and board members that were part of the Leadership Roundtable family. It was such a generous way to welcome me. I will always remember it, Carrie. Such sweet and happy memories, Kim. What comes to my mind when I think about this is the way our family over five generations now through the Raskob Foundation have prioritized the role, the voice, opinions, and leadership of the youngest members of our family. When we are teenagers, we are invited into membership of the foundation, and it is very much a part of our family's culture to value our young adults. I know if this encouragement and affirmation had not been extended to me by my aunts and uncles and cousins when I was young, I never would have dedicated myself to helping the church flourish and be a better steward of its resources in my adult life. I'm really honestly struck whenever I see this quality manifested by leaders. I regard it as one of the most important signs of effective leadership. Leaders who are adept at making others feel welcome have a personal confidence that does not demand that they need to be the center of attention. Instead, they are first of all aware of who is being left out 
And secondly, very deftly restructure the conversation and the dynamic toward greater inclusivity. That is so well said, Carrie. And what stands out to me about Father Jim, besides his incredible humor, is that he's willing to enter spaces that are uncomfortable. Despite the potential for criticism, for attack, for being told that he's wrong for doing so, because he believes really deeply in listening and welcoming everyone. And that really showed itself in our conversation that we had with him. We recorded our conversation with Father Jim before any synod results were available. The Continental Synthesis, the U.S. Synthesis, and for me, it's incredibly encouraging to see the topics that we touched on on our conversation with Father Jim showing up in those documents, such as welcoming, listening to the Holy Spirit, elevating the voices that are often silenced or ignored. These were reflected in the conversations our church held globally. And this is what is on the hearts and minds of Catholics around the world. Kim, that is a perfect segue to our uplifting conversation with Father Jim Martin. We are so happy and so blessed to welcome to the Catholic Leaders Podcast a remarkable and highly sought-out leader, Father Jim Martin. Father Jim is a Jesuit priest, editor-at-large of America Media, and a leader working to build inclusivity for the LGBTQ community in the church, a ministry that is grounded in Christ's love and Catholic teaching. Father Jim has written many books, all outstanding, including a recent work titled Building a Bridge, How the Catholic Church and the LGBT Community Can Enter into a Relationship of Respect, Compassion, and Sensitivity. Father Jim is not only a frequent commentator in the media about issues of religion and spirituality, he is my beloved friend. Welcome, Jim. It is such a joy to have you with us today. It's a joy to be here, and I didn't mean to step on your line there, uh, but it's worth repeating. It's good to be with you. It is so good to be with you. Um, we, When we were planning uh, to have you on the podcast, we knew we wanted to talk to you about the importance of increasing diversity in the leadership of our church, and particularly how we welcome and create a greater understanding of the value of the gifts and diversity in leadership um, available to us in our church. And this has been a really important part of your ministry and as both a priest and a Jesuit, it's also been an important part of the mission of Leadership Roundtable. So we share that. But the more I thought about this, the more I felt um, there was so much understanding that needs to happen before we really dive in, right? Even the understanding of what we mean when we say something like welcome more diversity, particularly of historically marginalized groups in leadership. So if you'll indulge us, let's start with this idea of welcome. As Catholics, we use the term welcome quite a bit, but what do we really mean when we say welcome? Well, I would say it starts with Jesus, as everything does, and uh, it starts with the way that Jesus reached out to people on the margins. And just very briefly, you take three short stories, the story of the Roman centurion. Jesus meets someone who's not even Jewish, doesn't even believe in God, 
and encounters him in Capernaum and heals his servant. That's a welcome. That's a form of welcome to someone on the margins. The woman at the well or the Samaritan woman where Jesus uh, meets a woman who's drawing water from a well. She's not uh, Jewish. She's Samaritan. And uh, he welcomes her nonetheless, even though we hear about her unusual sexual past and sexual present. He's welcoming to her. He listens to her. He engages in what Pope Francis calls the culture of encounter, which is seeing people as individuals, not as categories. And then the other story I like is the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Jericho, uh, who is probably hated by most of the people in the town. And Jesus sees him uh, climbed up a tree, having climbed up a tree, and he says, um, hurry down from a, I must stay at your house tonight, a sign of welcome. So we see Jesus who is, is God's welcome, is God's hospitality, and is always welcoming people into the community. So I think it's a really central virtue um, in the Gospels, and it's one that I think that the church needs to continually relearn. Kim and Jim, I love the way you've started this conversation. You may not realize this, but when Leadership Roundtable was first created, we asked Zogby to survey all of the bishops in the U.S. so we could get a better understanding of what they thought the biggest challenge facing the church in the U.S. was and what their own hopes for the church were. And at the top of their list was the goal of ensuring our faith communities were hospitable and truly welcoming. So thank you for emphasizing this. Uh, another theme you often take up and advocate for is diversity, specifically respecting and honoring the dignity and gifts of each person, uh, particularly those often kept out of the church or its leadership. We at Leadership Roundtable also have this in common. Our very formation is, is predicated on having diverse perspectives, experiences, backgrounds, and competencies around the leadership table so that we can analyze challenges better and come up with better solutions. Could you elaborate more about the value of diversity? And, and particularly, what does the gospel have to tell us about how Jesus reached out to diverse people? Sure. Well, I want to uh, note uh, the wonderful work that uh, the Leadership Roundtable has done. Uh, when we think about uh, people who may feel excluded from positions of leadership in the church, uh, oftentimes we think immediately of women, uh, you know, who are, I would say, still shut out of certain ways of making decisions in the church and particularly important ways of making decisions in the church, even though, and, and as you both know, um, there have been lots of strides uh, recently, uh, particularly under Pope Francis. Uh, we think of people like LGBTQ people, uh, people of color sometimes. But one of the things I love about the Leadership Roundtable is we, we can look at lay people uh, as a group that has been, you know, largely, I'd say, since the Second Vatican, un, un, up until the Second Vatican Council, have been excluded. And I think the Leadership Roundtable does such a great job uh, in inviting that group of people, uh, which we don't normally think of as part of diversity in the church. But if we think about diversity in terms of decision-making in the church, Lay leadership is something that is pretty new, and we look at a lot of lay leaders in the Vatican, um, and that that's something new. So I think there's lots of ways of looking at diversity. I think that when we think about uh, also Jesus uh, and Jesus's way of welcoming people into the community, um, I always say that you know we know that he chose uh, the twelve, right? But even among the twelve, there's a lot of diversity. I mean, you have you have fishermen, you have tax collectors, you have one guy from. Judea, uh, and unfortunately Judas Iscariot. 
But you have guys that were, you know, kind of at odds with one another. And then you had the women disciples, right? You have, you know, chief among them, Mary Magdalene. There, there's lots of different people. There's Nicodemus. There's, there's all sorts of people that Jesus calls to himself. And I think at the time, uh, they would have been seen as very diverse. And then when you move into the Acts of the Apostles, then they're going out to the Gentile community, to the non-Jewish community. So I think that the history of the church is about continuing to embrace more and more and more diversity. And I think that the, one of the great insights, uh, I think this, is, this comes from Greg Boyle, uh, the Jesuit who works with uh, gang members at Homeboys Industries. It's funny, I said it once, and I thought it was original to me, and someone said, no, that Greg Boyle says that. <laughs> you probably got that from him, <laughs> which is the great line, uh, there is no us and them for Jesus. There's only an us. And so part of diversity is making people who have felt historically like a them um, whether it's women or lay people or LGBT people or people of color, uh, feel like an us. And I think that's, you know, that, that's, that's all part of Jesus's ministry of unity, but it's a challenge because some people are very threatened by the them. Mm-hmm. Well, in another group that uh, in our church that is often marginalized are young people, young adults, youth. And I know that a lot of the people that love the work that you do uh, fall into that category and that you get to dialogue with them quite a bit, both in person and through your many social media channels. So can you just talk a little bit about how what their understanding is as it relates to diversity and, and diversity in the church and what opportunities we have um, to learn from them as, as it relates to their understanding of this? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Kim. You know, I always laugh when people ask me about young people in the church. Uh, I always think about an experience I had working at Church of St. Ignatius Loyola up on Park Avenue. I was running a book club, and I wanted to start a book club for young adults. And the I thought this was so funny. The woman who worked in the Archdiocese of New York, I called her for sort of some uh, suggestions of what makes up a young adult. Is there kind of a cutoff or something? And she said, well, the young adult in the church is a lot different than if you went into a bookstore and looked at young adult literature, right? <laughs> which is usually for teenagers. <laughs> so in the church, it's often people like under 35, right? But when you think about, you know, the really young people, I would say, you know, college age and high school age, and maybe even younger, one of the things I've discovered in, in my own ministry is that they have a much uh, lower tolerance for lack of diversity, uh, in the world and in the church. And so for them, you know, having grown up with, you know, around all sorts of people, right, all sorts of different people, um, people of color, LGBT people, people who are, you know, have uh, physical disabilities, they are much more um, open to diversity. And I think, so part of it was when I talk to young people, they challenge me, right? They really challenge me and they they are very vocal about what they see oftentimes as a church that is not welcoming to different kinds of people, right? And so I think that the young, I think they really, this is kind of a truism, of course, but they really do lead the way, particularly in terms of diversity these days and inclusion. They, they, they won't put up with it. They won't put up with it. It's true. We're seeing, um, and we want to talk a little bit about the Synod today, but as um, the listening sessions are happening across um, high schools and university campuses, Part of what we're seeing come back as a major message from young adults is that they want to see the church embrace diversity in a way that they understand it, which is almost like they, they it's such a um, natural 
uh, way that they grew up of, in seeing difference. And they're curious, I think, and frustrated by the, the fact that we're struggling with that. And so it's really one of their greatest concerns. So I wonder if you have seen examples of places where we're doing this well, where and young people are a part of it, where we are um, being more inclusive of a diversity of individuals and leaders uh, in the church. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I've done a lot of, especially since COVID, I've done a lot of uh, talks um, to different schools. Uh, and I find in Catholic high schools, especially, uh, and Catholic colleges, where, where you would expect it, but in particular Catholic high schools, they're much more open these days to, you know, LGBT stuff is what I'm sort of focusing on these days, but they're much more open to diversity, much more conscious of it, and much more intentional uh, than they used to be. And I would say that even, even more so than parishes are. Uh, and I think one of the things that has struck me that is, is a little bit of a difference, you know, in terms of the, I would say, the lack of tolerance for intolerance among young people is this. I think that uh, maybe uh, 15, 20, 25 years ago, young people would say, well, how can I make my place in a church that is not diverse and does not reflect the kind of world that I would want to see? But I think the challenge that educators are facing now, and one of the reasons that they feel that they have to respond is because now the question is uh, not how can I stay, but just I'm leaving. Like it's not, a, it's not that they have to want to find their place. It's that they, if they don't find a place that they feel is welcoming and open and inclusive, they leave. And that I think is different than a generation ago where they would try to say, how can I make this work? Uh, young people today are saying, if it doesn't work for me, you know, I'm gone. So I think that kind of ups the bar for a lot of uh, Catholic organizations, um, you know, high schools and colleges and, and parishes as well. We'll get right back to our conversation after this inspiring message about our sponsor. This episode of the Catholic Leaders Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Susan King. Susan is a founding member of the Board of Leadership Roundtable. She is the John Thomas Kerr Distinguished Professor at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and former Dean of the Hussman School of Journalism and Media at UNC. Susan has paved paths for women in journalism, spending more than 20 years as an anchor and reporter in Washington, DC, including as White House correspondent for ABC News. Susan is sponsoring this podcast in memory of a Catholic leader who greatly inspired her, Koki Roberts of ABC News and NPR News. Koki Roberts was a faithful Catholic who attended Mass each Sunday after hosting ABC News Sunday morning program, Issues and Answers. Koki was educated by Catholic sisters and stayed dedicated to the power of Catholic women's leadership and the power of prayer. In the earliest years of Leadership Roundtable's founding, Koki was there, promising to move the church she loved into the future. Thank you, Koki, for your leadership, and thank you, Susan, for your support of this podcast. We have 
have this moment in time, which I've already referenced, which is, which is the synod, in, to engage people and to hear how, uh, whether it's young people or other groups are really feeling about the place that they have uh, in the church and at the leadership table in the church. And it's easy to think of the church as something sometimes beyond ourselves or out there. But the synod process has brought to our attention that each of us are part of the whole, Um, that the church is us, right? And it's not just about being inclusive for the sake of inclusivity, uh, but it's about honoring and engaging the gifts we each have uh, and bring to the church. And that's part of what makes us whole as a church is bringing our gifts. Um, And this, again, has been another major theme in your work and particularly about building bridges uh, between the church and those who are excluded. I'd love to just hear, or we'd love to hear, hear a little bit about the why you think that this isn't so important, how do we as people benefit from being led by others with a wide and vast range of experiences um, beyond the experiences that we might traditionally have been exposed to? Yeah, well, thanks, Kim. It's a great question, and it has um, a sort of deceptively easy answer, uh, which is that the Holy Spirit is at work in everybody. And uh, we have to listen to the Holy Spirit, not simply at work uh, in our leaders, like the popes and the bishops and things like that, but active in everyone. And one of the great uh, insights of the Synod uh, is that it it will help unleash um, this ability of the church, which I think is one of the sort of uh, uh, lacunae of the Second Vatican Council. I think the Second Vatican Council, as you both know, uh, you know, in, in, invited lay people to participate, but didn't provide any real uh, sort of, uh, you know, institutions or methods for them to participate. So there's a wonderful quote in, I think it's Lumen Gentium, that said that the lady, um, the laity, um, you know, based on their competence, are, have a right and are sometimes, I love this, duty-bound to express their opinions on matters concerning the good of the church. And which is quite a statement that would have never been said uh, pre-Second uh, Vatican Council. But the question of a lot of lay people is like, okay, well, how do I do that? You know, what's the mechanism by which I do that? Do I just write a letter to the bishop or, he, you know, he can ignore it? Or do, and so the synod, I think, is finally enabling that to happen. And, you know, Pope Francis is basically leading us on kind of a worldwide discernment where, you know, to use some Jesuit speak, uh, we're discerning, you know, where the spirit is and where the spirit is calling us to kind of pay attention to. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we we listen to that is because the spirit always challenges us. And uh, it's, it's, you know, we'll see where it goes. One of the great lines uh, from Pedro Arupe, the former superior general of the Society of Jesus, which I love, uh, was uh, someone asked him once, uh, where is the Society of Jesus going? A reporter. And Pedro Arupe said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, all of his assistants were just agog. I remember a friend told me the story who worked with him. It's like, they were like, oh my gosh, you can't say that. And he said, well, no, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, so I don't know where it's going. So I think that's one of the great uh, graces of the synod. Who knows where it's going to go once the Holy Spirit has been unleashed? You know, she is usually very hard to predict. And, and, you know, this idea of listening to the Holy Spirit, I mean, as, as a church, the church is indeed the, made up of all of us as individuals. So do you have any advice for us uh, at this time in this synod for how we, what our stance can be and how we can be with the uncertainty of, of a, a practice as a group of people listening to the Holy Spirit for what's next for our church? 
Outreach. Yeah, I do. So on this uh, new website that we started called Outreach for LGBTQ Catholics, we had a mini interview with uh, Pope Francis, and I sent him uh, three brief questions. One was, what would you most like LGBT people to know about God? And he talked about God loving them and God never disowning them. Uh, the last one was, uh, what was it? What would you say to someone who was rejected by the church? And he said, it's not the church rejecting you, it's people in the church. But the second one was a really surprising answer. And I said, uh, what would you like LGBT people to know about the church? And I thought he was going to say, oh, the church loves you. The church welcomes you. He said, I would like you to read the Acts of the Apostles. And there you will see a living church. And so I think, uh, Kim, one of the things that we can do is look at church history and say, this has always been the case. Mm -hmm. The church mm -hmm. has always been growing, always been, you know, semper reformanda, right? Always reforming, always changing. And that we shouldn't fear it. I mean, you know, you look at the, the arguments between St. Peter and Paul, which I think people who don't know Acts are always surprised by. And you say, this is part of who we are. We, we are, you know, sometimes contentious and we dispute things, but eventually we let ourselves be led by the Spirit. So fear not, I think, is the most important uh, message. Well, Jim, we have a final question that we like to ask uh, our, all of our guests, and we wanted to ask you, what is your greatest hope at this moment for our church? That it would be open to the voice of the Spirit, active in everyone, uh, and that it would truly um, be able to listen to that Spirit, even though it, it might challenge us. You know, one of the great lines that uh, Pope Francis has said, he's a real, he's very good for these kind of uh, one-liners. Uh, it was at the beginning, I believe, at the Synod on the Family, one of the first uh, synods, and he really kind of, rejuvenated the, the whole tradition of the synod, which had been since the early church and restored in the Second Vatican Council, but really kind of given new emphasis by Pope Francis. And he said, let no one say, uh, we cannot talk about this. Mm. Or let no one say this has never been done this way. That is just so freeing. Yes. And so I hope that the church really takes that seriously and listens to the Holy Spirit, you know, as it is expressed through the people of God. Well, thank you, Jim. You are a reason for our hope, your leadership, your ministry, your writing, your prophetic voice. We thank you immensely for joining our show today and helping us better understand our call to build a diverse leadership in the church. There is so much more we could discuss, and we look forward to welcoming you back again. Thank you for your leadership and deeply pastoral heart. My pleasure. And thank you for all the good work that the Leadership Roundtable does. And I uh, just want to thank you for your prayers. And I want to thank the dogs that are barking in the background, which are, you know. All God's creatures. <laughs> That's right. You're welcome. Dominica Dominicanes, as they say, the dogs of God. <laughs> nice to be with you. Thank you, Jim. It is always a joy to host the Catholic Leaders Podcast. A special thank you to our terrific colleagues who make this podcast possible, to our eloquent and inspiring guests, and to you, our deeply appreciated listeners. We're especially grateful for the production support of Jenna McAndrew and Kate Alexander, original theme music by Rachel Taylor, and as always, the generous sponsors of Leadership Roundtable. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.